0: Hey, hey, welcome into another episode of Stub Me Down. My name is JW, and of course, as always, I'm here with my best friend and co-host, Skinny, who just recently watched Top Gun 2, Maverick. And for those of you that have listened to us over multiple shows, occasionally we drop a Top Gun reference. Our first episode of this season, we had RJB on, and we talked about Goose. That was chock full of references. But, Skinny, what did you think of Maverick 2? Say hello to the people, my friend, but what did you think of Maverick <laughs> Top Gun 2?
1: I can't believe you're going to pigeonhole me into talking about Tom Cruise, the guy's psycho. But the, <laughs> the movie is amazing. I mean, I don't know why I like that. I'll tell you why, actually, real quick. Full disclosure, my father, when the first one came out, he was still alive, obviously, and, and once in a while I would still... I didn't see him as much, but I would go see movies with him. And he thought Siskel and Ebert, for those of you don't don't know who these two guys were, there used to be a show that ran on Saturday mornings, and it was two guys talking about the current movies that were coming out or whatever. My father thought they were complete assholes for shitting on Top Gun. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, like everybody's joining the Navy, you know. <laughs> and he's telling me, no, 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 don't do that. You know you, you're not made for the armed services, and uh, boy was he right. But he 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 loved that movie, so it made me think of him. Long long story short, or hopefully shorter for people that are listening, is uh, I thought it was really well done. Uh, uh, listen, I don't believe in Scientology. I just like the movie. It's
0: well, I mean, hitting eject at Mach ten.
1: <laughs> something else. Only
0: Tom Cruise could pull that shit off, right? Well, it's good to see you, man. man. This is episode four of season four, so we are excited to get into today. We have a great guest with us. Skinny, on the last episode of Stub Me Down, me and my uncle, my uncle John Boddenhop joined us for... I mean, I don't even know how else to describe it, but uh, intense and personal and emotional conversation about his experience on and after 9-11. He was in the South Tower when the second plane hit and managed to get out, and he talked to us about that experience. We tied it into a show that we saw in New York, Phil and Friends, at the Beacon Theater on November 30th of 2001, And that show really, in my estimation, was kind of like a love letter to New York. If you look at the set and different moments of the set and how it was played, we know that George Harrison had just passed away as well. Once you kind of look at it in its totality of the set list, it becomes pretty obvious that there were some pretty significant messages to the city of New York about resilience and community and and Know Our Love Will Not Fade Away. I mean, they opened up with a 24-minute version of that. An unbelievable show, but it connected us to my uncle's experience. Certainly very different. You know, we didn't see any of the the awful things that he saw but we were there in New York we were a part of it I'm from New Jersey um, and actually our guest is from New Jersey as well. So there is that connective tissue from his experience to our New York experience and of course you know we had to we had to talk about some music you know
1: well, I just thought the conversation was great. It was great to meet him. Nobody would know this but he read a letter that, he read to josh and i before we hit record and it was in stark reality to even what we talked about i don't even know if i'm man i'm not even saying that right i'm saying that it was a stark reality what he read and then what we talked about was a completely different um animal um but the experience still came through and and, um you know after listening to it i you know I, i felt like you you did your uncle justice i'm sure he's very proud of you i'm proud of you and uh it was a great job. It was a great episode overall, and um, everybody that's listening to this, you, you got to go back, and we always promote our old episodes, so please listen to that one. It's really good. So, And the music, by the way, I wasn't trying to say, like, you know, it was a, that's what it was, was a total themed out, you know, love letter to New York. I, I agreed with that sentiment when you said it, but I also thought it was some of the best music that they played in that run, because now I'm going back, actually, and listening to that whole run of seven shows, which... When you said that, when we record, I was like, shit, really? I don't do my homework. <laughs> like, I am not, I'm not, I, I, I got to figure out a better way to be on the show. <laughs> my wit's going to run out.
0: And and it wasn't a blow by blow of first this happened and then this happened and this happened. I mean, he touched on some of those things, but it was more about these moments, these stories, these experiences that he had that have stuck with him, you know, over these you know 20 years hence and you know that that letter that he read I don't think in retrospect I thought about it maybe we should have recorded that but then I was like no
1: well it set the tone you know there's a lot to be said about setting the tone I think we all do that as live music fans you want to set the tone before you go to the show I mean everybody talks about you know being in the right headspace man whatever it is right it's true. It set the tone for the conversation, and I'm glad. I'm I'm glad we made the choice. I just thought it would be interesting to say that's what happened because uh, the letter was, you know, uh, a certified letter that he had to write about his experience, and so that that made all yeah. the difference. I think for the further conversation. So it's kind of interesting to like preface, um, but you know, you don't do that when you're doing the episode. I don't know. Nobody wants to hear this shit. Dude. <laughs>
0: Well, we're going to get a little bit lighter today. It's going to be a lot of fun. So today we are excited to bring in a guest who has been around the jam band scene for quite a while, currently lives in Colorado, but is a loud and proud New Jersey uh, native. Got to get some
1: Maryland natives on the show. Like <laughs> the fuck? All
0: right, man. She is, well, maybe we could get her podcast partner on, who is a Maryland native, but she is the co host of All That Jam Pod. She also hosts a show on homegrown radio called The Bar Line Shift. She is also a contributor to El Goose Times. So there are a lot of different mediums that you can find. Amanda C., otherwise known as the PhDJ. Now, Amanda, welcome to Stum Me Down, but I want to ask you first, should we call you doctor?
2: Oh, well, first, thank you for having me. No, because you know what? I'm not the fun kind of doctor. All I can prescribe you is more reading and a lot of questions, so. <laughs>
0: Sounds like an English teacher. <laughs>
1: Essential questions.
2: <laughs> so I used to do that too. So we can we can um, we can refrain, but I do appreciate you asking.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Amanda, welcome uh, to the show. We're, we're really excited to learn a little bit more about who you are and uh, your just experience with live music and podcasting and all of that. And yes, your, your co-host, can you just introduce him a little bit? Because he he's in the circle of uh, all that we do and he's definitely a part of your circle.
2: I would love to. Kevin Hogan, I know you're out there listening. Um, Kevin is uh, a good friend. And yes, we co-host All That Jam together. We previously had worked together on Work Plus, which I know you both are very familiar with, and um, done some fish after show chats, which are always a great time, uh, as again, you know. Yes, they are. Yes, And um, yeah. he has his own show, um, of course, uh, Beautiful Garbage, too, based on the punk scene. So yeah. we the all got a scene, bunch yeah. of stuff going on.
0: Yeah, we do.
1: That's too much. So many fucking hobbies, dude. Seriously.
0: <laughs> I know, man. As Skinny and I have continued to do this, and now we're in year four, you know, we've kind of joined the podcast community, which is fun. And everybody has been so welcoming. We've had Tim on from Wook Plus and Brian from Attendance Bias. And, and you know, we've done things on, on their broadcasts as well. Talk a little bit about all that jam. I absolutely love this show because it's quick hits. You get a little bit of news. You guys have a very good rapport between the two of you. Then you also, from time to time, bring in some pretty cool guests. So talk a little bit about how All That Jam came about and if you want to just give kind of an overview of what each episode is.
2: Yeah, no, that's awesome. So All That Jam officially kicked off uh, in September of 22. And just like you were saying, and I appreciate the kind words Kevin and I had been chatting about, you know, we really enjoy um, these opportunities that we have to just chat and get into music stuff Both of us, I would say, love, like you said, those quick bites, right? So kind of chunks of information. And the one thing that we thought maybe we weren't seeing in the jam band scene was um, like a morning drive time variety show type of situation. And yeah. Me coming from New Jersey, as you mentioned, we'll have to do like a drinking game count of how many times I mentioned that tonight. I'm sure that will not be the only time that so we'll have to like we'll have to keep track. You, yeah, you're listening oh for Maryland. Yep, yep. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There's I'll one. Be sober. Um, But we, I love Howard Stern. Um, I love the the banter, and so we both said, you know what? Let's give this a shot. Um, And so, yes, so basically every week, um, Mondays is usually when the episodes drop. They are 30 minutes in length, usually not longer than that. And we'll do some top stories from the last week, you know, stuff going on in the scene. We'll maybe talk about some tour announcements, shows that are coming up recently, um, you know, kind of put out there. Uh, We do have guests, definitely. We've had some great guests and we've got so much lined up really through June. We've got our calendar set and more happening all the time
0: damn that's awesome
2: it's been awesome you know all the years i never called in friend favors i I was saving them for some reason and (laughs) i think this must have been it because i always was holding off on asking people but when we get together it's it's quick but we also want to know you know what's their philosophy on life why do they do what they do and and then of course talk about what they've got going on musically community spotlight and then my personal favorite honestly is we try to do some listener participation of some kind every week so whether that's polls or questions open-ended you name it um, I've got a segment the doctor is in so if people have life situations
1: oh, shit. Oh.
2: related to music
0: <laughs> it cost Dude, five cents
1: <laughs> are you sure you're not the one so that's, that's crazy does that take venmo that?
2: You know what? People have said all kinds of things about me. I will accept it. That is good. Um, But yeah, we've gotten some really good ones. And it's anonymous. People can just share. My significant other wants me to get rid of all my cassettes. How do I handle this? Things that really come up in real life, you know?
1: Those things matter.
2: (laughs) And it's fun at the same time. So I'm totally unqualified to offer any advice to anyone. But we enjoy all those opportunities to just connect with people.
1: God, I totally lost my point. Josh, what were you going to say?
2: Are you looking for advice on which shows to go to?
1: No, I don't think I'm looking for advice. (laughs) I think I had this really salient point that just went away. It happens.
0: It happens. (laughs) It'll come back It's what we call a senior moment. No, I was going to say, Amanda, so a a couple of the episodes recently that I listened to, you had Pixie and the Party Grass Boys and Michael Mullins from the Zeta Band, New Orleans-based band, is that?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Rock band. Legitimate hard rockers out of New Orleans. Yeah.
0: Mike, like, man.
1: Oh, you're doing the same thing I am. No,
0: no. I'm just having (laughs) trouble, like, understanding your depth of music knowledge because... I'm, like, I just learned Goose within, like, the last, what, year and a half, right? And the bands that you guys are talking to, and they're cool people. They, you know, it sounds like they love music. I listen to some of the, the Pixie and the Party Grass Boys music. It's great stuff. It's fun and entertaining. But the depth of music that you guys have, and, and Kevin as well, that you guys bring to the table, I think is one of the really cool things because it's always in education. I've always picked up something new from listening to you guys, whether it's like whatever's going on in the community, here's the top three stories, or bringing in these types of guests. It's really cool. But is part of that, and I know you're a PhD, but you're also a DJ. So is that like, does that, dj part of you is that you know one of the reasons why you have such an expansive knowledge or is it just a kind of an overall thirst for whatever's out there
2: oh man that's a that is such a good question so i think if i were to do chicken or the egg probably the starting point for all of that is i just love music so much and yes i am jam band centric and I always have been but I think that does a disservice to all the music I listened to prior to getting into jam band stuff which would have been early mid 90s ish but I had family older cousins you know that introduced me to a lot of great stuff in more of like the the nine inch nails ministry midnight oil thing I had that phase for sure Mm -hmm. I've always loved yeah I've always loved random stuff
0: Depeche Mode I'm sure was in there maybe a little bit New order in there?
2: New oh, definitely. New yeah. Order. Um, Republic, yeah. Um, so my radio show on Homegrown Radio is a very much thematic and also um, was developed to be a lot about international music because I think there's so much out there, and it's easy for us to get stuck in, not in a bad place, but listening to the things we know we like. And so part of it is a way to continuously push myself. I'll pick a country Or, you know, a place, a theme, and then just go haul hog and see what's out there. Like what, what fits that brief, right? And so I think that helps on the DJ side because you're just like, oh, oh, that thing. I think I have something that would sound great there, you know, and you kind of just Rolodex it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you have to have a pretty deep base of knowledge to be a DJ, right? I would be like, all right, will a tweezer fit here? (laughs) You know, like, I don't know if I could, and you try to make it work. Right. I know, I know a lot of, of music, but to have that type of recall to be like on different situations and on the fly and stuff like that. No way, man.
1: All the different beats. I mean, you know, like knowing what rock beat would go with some other transition. That's what I was going to say. I guess I was thinking about I was trying to think about what I was going to ask you, and then I totally forgot about it, which, you know, I may or may not cut.
2: <laughs> I have that effect on people. It is totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: awesome. But we, we've we only had one other female voice on this show, and I, I thought about this when you were talking, which was, what do you think of the DJ that's doing Grateful Dead? And then also, you know, where do you find yourself? I'm going to talk about this later when we start getting into the show, because I'm going to mention dancing, so just giving everybody a little bit of a tease <laughs> both genders or whoever you are like <laughs> how you dance at shows. So I, I think it'll be funny, but where do you find yourself in kind of this jam band scene? Like, how do you feel about being a female voice? Cause I, I love it and, and Josh and I have talked about it and we were like, we have to do more of it. It just can't be dudes. Dudes are kind of stupid. I'm sorry. it took so long ladies. You know, we're kind of slow on the uptake.
2: Oh my god. <laughs>
0: Um, In our defense, before you answer that question, Amanda...
2: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Like, would you like to... In our defense.
0: (laughs) No, I would just like to say that we have tried on multiple occasions to get both of our wives, my wife, Megan, and Christian's wife, Amy, on the show, (laughs) and they have been reluctant. So... I get that. You know... Totally
2: would understand uh, that. Yes. (laughs) So... This is probably the world's most boring answer. And there are times where I feel like I I am not a good representative of uh, the female gender. So just know that. I don't know if it's the era that I came up in the scene in or the fact that honestly, it was not until probably five or six years after the fact that I ever went to shows with any other women, girls, really, (laughs) um, which is just honestly the truth. I've never, I never really thought about it as a thing. It wasn't until I was older. So by older, I mean, so I was, you know, 14, 15 when I started going to shows. um, And it really wasn't until almost toward the end of undergrad years in college where it kind of occurred to me, wow, you know, what's the deal with this? Like, why why is it like this? So I was always a From Good Homes fan being from Jersey, huge Railroad Earth fan from day one. That is my family. That's really my music family in a lot of ways. And that's mm-hmm. always been very representative of all ages, genders, you name it. And that's when I started to actually think about it. How come it hasn't been like this, right? Like, why Why is that? You know, I, I think things have definitely changed over time, which is great. I'm not really sure why things were the way they were at that time, but I'm really glad that more and more you see just a lot of different voices coming out of the scene you know especially on the the jam band side because that's where i where i live like both of you for sure
1: yeah amen to that because i don't think i don't know i i hate i'm not trying to just say that dudes are stupid but you know <laughs> <laughs> they just don't I feel we're like,
0: all very similar yes that.
1: yeah i mean i know that i'm just like i don't know some other dude that's like either ragging or like telling jokes or whatever, just trying to lighten the mood. And that comes across. Okay. You know, I, I feel like I'm my authentic self. But I feel like sometimes in that crowd of, you know, let's face it, like complainers, critics, um, talkers, whatever it is, um, in that scene, I feel like that's maybe a little bit of something that I would like to see more. I mean, that's why we talked about it. That's why I asked you. I think you know? it's
2: great. No. And I, and I do have to give just like a general shout out to, you know, fish chicks, amazing, amazing group. The Colorado fish chicks. It, I mean, we are there for each other. There's the mama ragers group. I mean, all these are very, very active goose chicks now. I mean, just as much. And, and there's a reason why those exist. Right. And and they have that focus and it's to make sure that we can all connect with each other support each other in different ways. And, and going back to the DJ thing for just a second, I can tell you that, um, not all, but quite a bit of the gigs I've done, whether that was like straight up events or weddings, you know, just different things, um, have been because of support directly from fish chicks and, and outright, you know, I'm having an event, I need something. And then you see boom, 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 Amanda, Hey, are you available? And, that, to me, is is what it's all about, even just thinking about it. Actually, I actually haven't really thought of it that way before, but um, that, I think, says so much right there.
0: I mean, it's a cool network, you know, and whether it's, you know, it's just another pocket, like, you know, we already mentioned, like, the podcast community, the network that we have, and then, you know, you've got these... You know, kind of subgroups. You know, you've got the fellowship, and you've got fish chicks, and you've got these different groups—groove um, safe—and you know all of these people that come together around. You know, uh, obviously the music, but then find within the crowd people that are like them, and I think that that's one of the really special things about the jam band scene for sure i don't know if that necessarily exists in like you know the hardcore pearl jam fans or bruce springsteen or bon Jovi you know, the ro- yeah bon Jovi <laughs> rolling stones right you know some of those bands i don't you know they don't necessarily have they have you know parrot heads have a huge community that follows jimmy buffett but i mean shit maybe they do do they have a a sober group of parrot heads? I mean,
2: I don't know. Well, that's just it, right? There are fish groups for everything. And right. some of my friends are like, have you ever met a group you didn't want to join? I'm like, barely ever. Like I just, right. and if if I can, this is actually a new thing I would love to just share the speaking of community and just learning about each other different ways, but ultimately having a good time, right? Because I think that's a big part of this. Goose miss this past December out here in Colorado. Great time. Something happened at this show that has spawned um, a Facebook group that is becoming quite a thing. And I just want to share this. If you haven't heard of it, it's on Facebook. It's called Bad Concert Photography. I do have to give a shout out. That's not bad. So I took (laughs) pictures from behind the stage at Goosemis and they were horrendous. And I thought, oh, that's really bad. Let me take 10 more of those (laughs) just to make sure it's just as bad.
1: Um, And then I
2: got home and I posted it on my personal Facebook page, but tagged some uh, professional photographers that I know. <laughs> they were just like, girl, what are you doing? So the next day I'm like, does this not exist? How does this not exist in 2022, almost 23? So we have contests. We did a bad uh, New Year's Eve photo nice. contest and the <laughs> One that one you can't even tell what it is. Um, <laughs> we provide a safe haven for all the, the crappy photos that really no one wants to see. Yeah. but we but love we them. take anyway. <laughs> we take them all. And if and one is good,
0: seventeen <laughs> is better, right?
2: <laughs> if it's too good, we reject them. So you know we have we have our own set of standards and guidelines.
1: Can I just send in like 30 ones that are like all black because they're in my pocket and I hit like? You will get 30 comments thing. on
2: those things in an hour. Let me just tell you. Yeah.
1: In the morning, I have to like delete. It takes me like 10 minutes to delete all. Well, the
2: now ones. if you've got the urge, because we all need that like dopamine hit from it, you know, you took out the phone, you did your thing. Now there is a place where they will be accepted and oh glorified, God. which this I think is, is amazing. great.
0: What is it? Give it. Give the name one more time, Amanda.
2: It's a uh, bad concert photography, BCP. We got a logo. We got merch. <laughs> <Gosh. Let's> go. <laughs> oh
0: <my laughs> you God. need an
2: acronym and then it's official.
0: <laughs> as soon as you get on, as soon as you get on Insta. Yeah. As soon as you get on Insta.
2: Oh my no God. Doubt. We're going to be
0: all over those.
2: submissions. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I just, I was smiling because that has become the highlight of I work from home, take a couple minutes out, see what's happening there. And it just makes me very happy.
1: That's amazing. I know I've forgotten a lot of stuff, Amanda, because I guess I get all excited to talk. But what do you think? I forget her name. I should have looked her up, but I don't do research. The DJ that's like spinning some Grateful Dead behind her. um, I've seen those videos. What do you think of that? I mean, I would think as a DJ, I mean, I love it. I'll just start Mm -hmm. off the conversation. I think it's amazing. I wish she would do some other tunes or lay them out on YouTube, but just wanted to hear what you had to say about that.
2: Oh, I totally dig it. I think anyone that's thinking differently about music that we know is is doing great stuff because they're challenging themselves and us to think about music differently. And it, it's like that tradition, in a sense, at least for me, of like you have your girl talk, right? Like ultimate mashup, DJ, amazing, throwing stuff together that should never go together. I mean, you've got a lot of different things out there on that side. I don't know if y'all remember Dick cheese from, I don't know, early two thousands. He did mashups of grateful dead stuff different.
1: I think I remember that hilarious,
2: really cool things like hip hop and, and grateful dead together. And, you know, I, I just celebrate anybody who's, who's thinking about things in a unique way. I think it's really cool.
1: Yeah. I, I amen to that. I, I really like it. I, I mean, I have some suggestions for her, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you know, there's that dancing from Cornell hanging out there. I mean, that could be like, you know, I would go to that after show if she just played that.
2: Oh, you could do that for probably five hours. No problem. Right. I, I mean, like
1: that, she only played the dancing from Cornell. Okay.
2: Like, wow. You know? Yeah. That was awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. My, my, unfortunately my, dj knowledge is limited to dj paulie d <laughs> and the guy that wears like the marshmallow on his head
1: isn't there like a guy that wears like a can or something I don't on know his head? Maybe i'm not a not. dj guy i didn't even know who anderson yeah. pack was until they had those Modelo commercials man
2: well then they did their job so there you go
0: <laughs> that's right now now you know you still won't drink Modelo though but the the interesting thing is is that there, there's an actual, you know, like circuit for DJs to go out and play clubs and people go to see the DJ. And my, you know, very limited experience and knowledge is like, the DJ's at the bar trying to turn it up or is at the wedding or whatever the event is, and is a part of the event, not but the it's event. not the okay. event, right? It's not the attraction. And I think that that maybe is something that has kind of shifted, you I know, more recently, maybe yeah. the last 10, 15 years
2: or so. And how could I, how could I not mention DJ Logic, who for me was the first DJ that I ever really started getting into? And it was actually um, some of the stuff he was doing with Midesky Martin and Wood, who's that's just an obsession of mine forever. Just as long as I've been listening to Fish, been listening to those those cats. I agree. And different kinds of events call for different things. Mm-hmm. I. I'm very grateful to be here in Denver where apparently there is some kind of market for, you know, middle-aged jam band focused DJs out here. (laughs) I guess if it was going to happen anywhere, it would probably be here.
1: I'm so surprised to hear that. (laughs) In Denver proper? There's
0: a crowd for
2: everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I was just as surprised, trust me. Right. Denver itself. Yeah. We don't really do a lot of music stuff out here. I don't know uh, if you know that. It's kind of dry. <laughs> dry it dry is well dry.
0: It is dry out there.
2: <laughs> it's dry yes, in certain ways. Um, so even like the weddings that I've done have been um, people who are huge music fans and they're cool with you throwing jams in there and other stuff and kind of doing your own thing. And that's what would make it like palatable for me, you know, cause this is not my full-time gig. When things come up, it's great, but um, you know I want to have a good time too. That's probably really selfish, but no, that's mean, how I feel about. But it. But that's
0: also, I think you're translating that into whatever you're playing, right? And so, do you when you DJ? Do you like sample in, you know, different jams and you know, like
1: I go tos.
2: Yeah. What oh, a, yeah, give me give me
0: like it. two of your like? Oh, I'm gonna drop this right here, and the place place is gonna go okay. nuts.
2: Yeah, yeah. So speaking of what did I say earlier for all that jam, we like to get people involved. I generally am always asking people, what's your favorite version of this? Or what's the best kind of jam in this song? So in the fall, I had done a set at Meow Wolf out here in Denver as part of their first anniversary birthday party. So they were celebrating one year. Don't ask me how I got on that bill, but it was awesome. And everybody at Meow Wolf is like so fantastic. So I had an hour sometime in the middle of that I had queued up a uh, part of a slow ready jam from Goose actually where it gets it does get a little different tempo like it really if you didn't know what it was and you just heard this two or three minutes you would never number one think it was a jam band yeah. honestly but two it fits so nicely with a lot of other music and so pop that in there. And I'm like, does anyone know what this is? And I'm kind of wondering in my mind. So <laughs> I'm like, this is so great. I love this, you know, <laughs> um, but you, you have other considerations, right? You have to make sure that the sound quality is amazing because it's coming through legitimate speakers. Right. A lot of this stuff that I had done, of course, a couple years ago during COVID times was outdoors, tons of like house parties where there were bands playing and I might be the like set break, before, after type thing. Another one, I'll just mention one more, was a friend of ours out here, Annabelle Lukens, really, really tight in the music scene, works for Cloud9, has done a ton of stuff. She was having some really great shows at her house, and um, she had Jojo Herman from Panic do a solo show, and I got to open up for him, which oh, wow. was ridiculously cool. He's such a <laughs> wonderful human, and um, I definitely, knowing that it was him, I did spend a whole bunch of time trying to find some some panic jams like little little excerpts there so i threw a couple in and then of course i'm like he's over here and i'm like does he recognize does he know that? <laughs> <Is> he <listening? laughs> do you know what I think that was you know what show it was i know what show it was you know?
1: she <laughs> yeah. throwing a coconuts or something oh so that's good awesome. little, little
2: chili <laughs> water jam but you know it's fun that's what makes it so much fun is you just have all this flexibility and to me, um, that is definitely honoring the music in a certain way. A lot of time and thought goes into that. If you're really going to try to put something together that feels right in your own heart and you have to be confident in that. That's the other thing. If something's not working, like move on, yeah. you know, like read that crowd, figure it out. Oh, and, yeah. and you've got to just be really okay with whatever happens there, you know?
1: Yeah. on to the next is a big uh, expression around here at the Stub Me yeah. Down house. <laughs>
2: Completely agree. You gotta you gotta you gotta know when to hold them and know when to fold uh, them and move exact. on to whatever no whatever doubt. you think is good. Uh, rest right? in peace, Kenny Rogers. Indeed. <laughs> Damn.
0: All right, well, hey, let's talk about a show. So uh before we get to the stub down, if you are new to stub Me down, welcome in. Thanks for joining us. The premise of the show is that Skinny and I have been friends for several decades now, and Over the course of those years, we've seen a lot of concerts together, and what we have done is we choose a stub at random from those shows that we've seen, and we use that as a jumping-off point to talk about the music, our friendship, the funny things that happen along the way, good experiences, stories, journeys, all sorts of stuff. Today, Amanda is going to be pulling the stub for us, which is going to be awesome. We get to talk about a show that Amanda was at. Skinny, with that, do you have anything else?
1: (laughs) I don't know. Maybe we should cut the fact that You're asking me if we, I don't have, I already messed up like 13 conversations (laughs) before we got to the stub down. So yes, I'm good.
0: (laughs) All right, Amanda, are you ready to stub me and skinny down?
2: Oh, I'm so ready. Let's do this.
0: All right. What do you got for us?
2: yeah so i was really excited um when when we started chatting about this because a show that i hate to say lives in the shadow of my first show but that's how it is the one that i wanted to talk about tonight that i'm stoked for is november 21st 1997 hampton coliseum
0: another ship yeah We're never gonna never gonna have a problem talking about any shows there and of course 1997 look 97 is like the holy grail of fish years right they played 80 shows in 1997 I don't know I haven't heard a show from 97 that I was like "Eh, that's okay they're all really good they're you know you throw a dart and you're gonna find something that you like in any of them and for my money this two-night run at Hampton was no joke they played the twenty first and the twenty second, they released this on the box set. The Hampton, Winston Salem, and then the third show was Winston Salem, which was the twenty third. So three consecutive nights. A lot of great music. A lot of improv A lot of improvisation. Hmm. Improvisation. How do I say that? A lot of improvisation. Skinny, cut that part out. Yeah, <laughs> fuck you. And
2: I love this. Sorry, <laughs> this is reminiscent of my own experiences. So just, just know. <laughs> Digging
0: it. <laughs> I mean, some of the probably the best shows that people would talk about are from not only 97, but the 97 fall slash winter tour, right? Mm-hmm. So like automatically people are going to say Denver 1117. They're going to say 12-7 Auburn Hills. You know, they're going to say these shows in Hampton, obviously, uh, or excuse me, I guess 12-7 was Dayton. 12-6 was Auburn Hills was the night before. The New Year's run, epic new year's run right people's you know that's the that's the the pinnacle right? unbelievable has fish gone downhill since 1997 you know and this is one of these conversations like
1: don't answer that yet Amanda.
2: <laughs> i no, i'm i'm thinking I mean, it's a good question and it's it's a very uh layered and complex yes
0: it is and that's and that's the problem because i I started seeing shows in 98 and I saw one show in 98, and then like I was like a rocket ship the following year and saw 13 shows, and then it was like, forget it. This is, I'm following this band for the rest of my life. So I don't necessarily have the emotional connection to anything from 97 because I didn't see them physically in 97. Now, the music is unbelievable, but I can also find plenty of great fish shows in every year after that. Maybe the consistency might drop off, especially, you know, in their elder years. And also, you know, let's not forget that the band has a shit ton more music now than they did in 1997 as well. So I think the chances of getting a set list now that maybe is not favorable to your tastes is more likely now than it was in... Ninety-seven, and I mean, you look at the set list. There's some repeats, you know, over, you know, even just a couple of nights. Um, and I got some stats we'll talk about when we get into this show. But were you was ninety-seven your first year seeing fish, or when did you get started, and how did you end up at Hampton for this weekend?
2: I was a grizzled tour vet by then. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so my my first show is New Year's ninety-five, which is why I mentioned that it sounds ridiculous that. These Hampton shows would be overshadowed by that. But, I mean, that's you know, another that's epic. what happens. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I was a sophomore in high school in 95. And, as you know, growing up in Jersey, you know, you can just it's easy access to New York City and whatnot. And I had been kind of begging my mom to let me go. And I do not know to this day how I got so fortunate that she agreed to let me go into the city on New Year's. She's from New York. She knows what All happens right. there. None of us are uh, are new at that.
1: I mean, I got some stories, but not like that. You know what I mean? Not 15 in New York City. As
2: a 15-year-old, correct.
1: As
0: a, so- as a sophomore I... in high school?
2: <laughs> well, wow. the thing is like, and I know we're here to talk about 97, but just as a little bit of context, that night there were massive issues on New Jersey Transit, trying to get home. Um, we got home at nine in the morning because we had to take all different matter of planes, trains and automobiles. There were no cell phones, obviously. You're hopping on a payphone if you can, whenever, sleeping on Newark Penn Station platforms and just mayhem. And somehow that didn't mean no in the future either. So the whole show, the whole experience, it was instant, literally instant. Um, And I did get stubbed down that night from way up top to like right there on the floor. And it was magical. So from that point on, whenever it was possible, went to see Fish, you know, Clifford Ball, all the the main festivals and whatnot. So by fall of 97, I mean, it was just this is what we do. Right. And I had my core group of friends, um, buddies that we would see shows with just from home that we all were just obsessed, equally obsessed with Fish. But I will say, even though I don't understand this so much, because we had been up to the Great Went, so we made that trip, but there was something about going south, which I had not ever done to see fish, really, other than, I mean, maybe a couple hours, like, give or take, but for me... This wasn't Meriwether. This was a place that I don't go very often, right? And it was right. a drive.
1: Yeah, because is like halfway. Almost. Yeah, and it just. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a hike. Yeah,
2: and it just it felt different, right? Like it felt like wow, we're we're all doing something that's kind of new for us as as it was at that point in time. And so I remember when we left, we were all really not only just excited, but it it just felt like we were we were taking this another step forward in a way.
1: That's really cool. I mean, that's how I felt. Obviously, Josh has already kind of alluded to my old man status, but I mean.
2: Elder
0: statesman. Elder statesman. (laughs)
2: There you go. The wise sage. Yeah, I don't like either
1: of them. I don't like all of them. But I felt the same way. I I remember calling my mother on a payphone in Breezewood, Pennsylvania. I said, I'm going to Louisville and then Pittsburgh. This is following Dead Tour. And then. I'm not sure. Probably, you know, obviously I'm going to DC. I'll be home. And then, you know, it was all up in the air and not everything that I said. I was, but I, she was like, what the heck? And I was just remember like hanging off the phone. <laughs> Time's oh, going to yeah. run out. I got to go.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. I don't have a quarter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> I called you. Collect. <laughs> I love it.
1: <laughs> don't you remember you accepted the call? Now I'm going to end it. And it, it, there is a certain amount. We've talked a lot about, that type of freedom, I think, when people try to connect to the community, too. It's the, the freedom within the community to kind of be yourself and and feel that way. That's that's very Americana. When I got into them late, which now, here it is, 23 years later, I got into them late. And I've seen every era, um, limited at points, obviously, with 1.0 and 2.0. But like you have this pull, it's a feeling, and we can't stop seeing them. I don't care what anybody's saying. Like, I, I love the music, absolutely. Oh, absolutely.
2: Well, you have to have a, a good sense of humor about it, because I think we all, we all kind of recognize, and that's what makes it so wonderful, right, is that we come from a certain place. If If I'm still, okay, hold on. So if I'm still, like, keeping framed ticket stubs, stub me down. That I that I put in this, you know, <laughs> yeah, two dollar frame. God knows how long ago with the bill. There you go. I mean, this all over this entire room is just literally memories.
1: Josh and Amanda are pointing to different trinkets.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, so I've got all kinds of random stuff. I could give you like the cribs. Oh, that'd be fun—a Jamband crib store. Anyway, but to that point about like have they gone downhill? So this is something that does come up on Wook Plus. I've done a couple tour closers. Um, especially this summer, right? So it's, a, it's a long tour.
0: We did the 814. Yeah, we did the... That's yeah, right, yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, basically one of the longest tours they've done in terms of just straight up number of shows since like 2014 mm-hmm. or something, yeah. if I remember correctly. is a lot. When you're at that place, it's just harder to separate out what you wanted to hear, what you've already heard, what's happened. I think it's harder to just have an open mind sometimes about the genius of what you might be listening to unless it's just so ridiculously like off the charts. And I almost feel with a band that's been around this long, you kind of have that same um, situation where it's just additive, right? You said more songs, definitely true. they there's just been a lot of of these different periods of time they've gone through and so I think it it can make something seem better or not as good. I won't say worse, but it's really tough to compare and I, I try not to compare. I also, I'm not a fluffer. There's definitely things that I don't always like love 100%. I'm
1: not either. <laughs> I,
0: I'm a little bit of a fluffer.
2: You have in 97, right? You have this like situation, especially fall 97. It was such a pivotal year. They were in Europe playing at these really unique venues, having those experiences. So many new songs. You think you kind of reference this a little bit, but I mean, okay, let's think. Vultures, Ghosts. Dog Stole Things, Limb by Limb. I mean, that's, there's more than that, Dirt, I think.
0: 97, they debuted a shit ton of music.
2: I mean, they're just unleashing on us. And one thing, and this will maybe come up as we get into the some of the set tonight, what you tend to think about 97 and then maybe more even 98 are these like real bombastic just grooves and all. But I actually think there was a lot of finesse that occurred with their playing around this time as well. Lots of shows, but also just a, I don't know if it's a maturing in a way, but there were some really, I called them like delicate as I was listening to this again, like some really beautiful things happening in this swirl of just laying it down. And I think it was like a a beautiful, perfect storm of of everything at once.
0: I think this show is a really good representation of what you just said, right? Like there is that finesse, there is that delicate nature to some of these jams where, you know, you're not necessarily expecting what they're playing and where they're playing it to be played like they're playing it, you know?
2: Oh, yeah. And it surprised me on some re-listens recently, because I'm not going to lie, it had been a while since I had listened to the show in its entirety. And doing that, I think I came in expecting more of the 98 feel. People talk about, it hits you, and I was like, no, 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 no. This, you could see where it's developing, where it's going, right? But I mean, yeah, it's just so yeah. so many cool things going on in the show.
0: That's interesting that you said the 98 thing because 98... As I said, 98 was my first year seeing them. And 98 definitely, if you listen to enough 98 shows, it definitely has its own sound for that year. I can see some of those same elements in this particular show, more so than maybe some of the 97 elements, you know, the cow funk and, you know, some of the twang type of stuff that they did. So it's interesting that, you know, maybe they were already kind of, starting to transition but still in the 97 type of feel certainly you get to new year's new year's is very 97 sounding right but Mm -hmm. that's that's interesting that makes me think about i might when i listen to you
1: guys should hear yourselves right now we're nerds (laughs) nerd alert
2: (laughs) i claimed that mantle many years ago um one thing that is really fun to do speaking of this this will cement that that word for me um, I love listening to the same song over as many years as possible and you hear just really cool similarities and these nuances in in exactly what we are talking about if you find kind of a representative jam or version of a song that's been played you know throughout time and I think yeah this is, is a great example of a show where you kind of pick almost anything from it I'm super biased I'm just going to say that right now As you'll hear in a moment. We love that. (laughs) Okay, good. Uh,
1: I'll I'll feed you into what I thought at first and now where Mm -hmm. I am now. And, you know, I'll probably have to pay for that therapy that you were talking about.
2: (laughs) Call me, man. Call me.
0: (laughs) The doctor is in. All right. All right, let's go ahead and take a look at the first set from Fish, November 21st, 1997, at the Hampton Coliseum. This was the third time that Fish had played the Hampton Coliseum. They've played 21 total shows there. And I thought this was interesting. The first two times they played were in 95, and it was October 25th, 1995, and then November 25th. 1995 which seems kind of weird like you think about the structure of a a tour i i i looked that up and i was like oh that's really interesting i have been to 13 of the 21 hampton shows i'm very proud to say
2: that's awesome yeah
0: love the mothership uh general admission i mean that's that's probably my favorite indoor venue
1: Yeah, it's a great film.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: All right, let's take a look at the first set from The Mothership. The band opens up with Emotional Rescue into Split Open and Melt, Beauty of My Dreams, Dog Stole Things, Punch You in the Eye into Lawn Boy, into Chalk Dust Torture, and they close the first set with Prince Caspian. So I mean, let's just start off right here. Emotional Rescue, Rolling Stones cover. This is the de- debut, the first time Fish has played that. I, and I would have to really, you know, do some do some looking. And they do a lot of Talking Heads, but there's a lot of Rolling Stones influence in Fish. They did Exile on Main Street um, in 2009 for Halloween. There are a number of regular rotation Rolling Stones songs that we see. This is a 17-minute show opening
1: debut.
2: Debut. Like, hello.
1: Right. Which seems more like a gag than anything. And you don't realize this is where I'm just going to be honest. I I watched it on YouTube, too. I mean, you know, some grainy video that somebody had on YouTube. Uh, It's really interesting if you want to check it out. So I, I had to check it out. And I'm like, okay, Yeah, Fish, Emotional Rescue. I love that song. I mean, I grew up on that song. It was on the radio all the time when it came out when I was a kid. And it's just, it's got a certain melody to, to it as a Rolling Stones tune that you could say easily. It's one of my favorite Rolling Stones tunes. And I'm thinking, okay, this is kind of a gaggy, fishy way to open. And then <laughs> they keep rolling with it, which I just found, you know, that's what's funny about these different years about fish. And now that I'm learning more, I didn't, I, I, I say this all the time, but 2000 were my first shows. And I was kind of on my own hiatus. I hadn't seen anything in a while. And so when I catch up with stuff like that, that I was around, I just wasn't seeing music. I'm like, damn, I should have like went to Hampton. I should have checked out this band. I just wasn't. I just think it's interesting. I I didn't like it at first. Maybe it was because of the video but I, I really like what they do with it after they get kind of through the fishy, gaggy part mm-hmm. of it.
2: Like about five minutes, it, it's not that long into it where they, they do start yeah. taking you away from the falsetto and, and all of that jagger, you know, it's, it's right. I'm trying to think about like, what in the world would I have been thinking with that kicking things off in a, like we're saying, a year that already had just provided so many wonderful moments And then they pop that on there and like Trey's definitely laughing at different points in time. I remember, how could you not? I think everybody was. The fact that they're able to, yeah, they get the lyric stuff going and Mike's doing his thing. And then, yeah, they really dig in. I mean, that's an amazing song to open with when you think about it. um, I think it foretold just what kind of show this was going to be. And I did check this out and I hope to. God, I'm right about this. But so I think is what 13 songs total looking at my notes here, which I think is one of the lowest number of total songs played in like a regular two set show. Not one that had a weather delay. Oh,
0: that's a good,
1: that's a good stat. That's a good stat, Amanda. Oh man. Yeah. We didn't even think about that.
2: I was, I spent, I'm not going to tell you how much time I spent trying to figure this out, but so like Northerly Island right in 2013 We had weather issues, so I'm not counting that. Plus, that was only one song shorter anyway. Denver in 97, you referenced that fall show, was right there as well. But in an era of, you know, of these really extended song sets, this one does come in at one of the lowest, like, just total number of unique songs played.
0: Well, and that's interesting, too, because if you look at the song times, I mean, Emotional Rescue was 17 They go into a really nice split open and melt that comes in just under 14. I mean, the punch is not quite 10. The Chalk Dust Torture's just over 9, and the Caspian is 10. Aside from the emotional rescue Mm -hmm. and the split open and melt, which, you know, granted, you're starting off with 30 minutes of absolute melt-your-face stuff to start the show. You know, you're actually like, wait, is there going to be another big jam? But when you're listening to it, it really doesn't feel... Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like that. I loved the split open and melt. I was listening to the audience version.
1: Oh, the guy that screams in your ear. I had it turned up all the way to max in my car today. And that guy almost gave me tinnitus.
0: It, it, the guy that said, it sounds so wonderful.
2: Were you listening yeah, to that yeah, version? Yeah,
1: I heard that the dude guy's, too. He's like clearly
0: having some <laughs> oh, sort of experience. It like, it's so <laughs>
2: wonderful, <laughs> man. Oh my God, you gotta love it. <laughs> It's like the double rainbow. <laughs> oh, double rainbow.
1: I, yeah, the double rainbow <laughs> guy. He was the double split open amount so nice. guy. I felt like really up-tempo. So for a 97 split open amount compared to what they, it's interesting that you guys bring that up is compared to what they do now. It's just, it, it's like faster. It's a little bit quicker mm-hmm. of a pace. The transitions are a little bit quicker and it's kind of cool to like see where that song was at that time. Well, hear what that mm-hmm. song was at that time. And people were definitely jazzed about it. I'm not kidding you. That guy, if you turn your sound up in your car and you listen to it on re-listen, take it easy on yourself. The guy screams like like a maniac.
2: <laughs> yeah. I've been there. We, we still have the cassette player down in the basement. I have all the tapes and all, and there are definitely times where upstairs everyone's like you cool (laughs) like what just happened there but um i if it's okay i there was just one other fascinating thing about that emotional rescue that i just i wanted to share because i i did not know this i mean there's we wouldn't have known this at the time the stones themselves never played that song live until 2013.
1: i did not know that really that's really cool
2: i am 100 percent serious and so the like the joke is kind of like they're trying to take it back not that fish has played it so often right
0: no it's only been played six times ever
2: yeah i i was at like the first two or three of those just how it worked out so in my mind i'm like they play this song constantly and that's obviously not true but um but yeah the stones they they didn't debut it live until i think 2013 which is wild to me that's
0: wild you know i was looking at the track listing of the album emotional rescue and i was like what other songs on here could Fish play? And the only one that really stood out was She's So Cold. And I thought that they could probably pull that off mm-hmm. pretty well. Oh,
2: I love that song. They could crush but they, that. But, you know, yeah. they
0: do have this, I don't want to call it fascination, but they they definitely have this significant influence from the Stones. And so it was cool. I I have not seen... emotional rescue of course as i mentioned they've only played it six times and the last time was in mexico in february of 2019 so it's been a minute Mm -hmm. but you know maybe maybe we'll get lucky one day
1: yeah that would be cool i like what mike does in that after that five or six minute mark into that and then Mm -hmm. split open him out like there's a lot of mike in there that i was like oh okay mike you know what i mean
2: yeah oh he's very present in this show i mean that in that era too but definitely in this show there's actually a couple couple moments that I was listening to where I had to say to myself, wait, is that Trey or Mike? Because he was really taking on a lot of different, I think, not just on that rhythm section, but there was, he was doing a lot to add to, I think, the overall feeling of these songs, which is super cool.
0: You know, so you get the split open amount, Beauty of My Dreams comes up next, and then Dog Stole Things. So if you look at the first four songs from, say, this side of history, right, only one of these tunes is... You know, older than 97. Beauty of My Dreams debuted in 97 in Germany. They've Mm -hmm. only played it 53 times and they've only played it five times since 1.0. Last time played, yeah, the last time played was in Sacramento in October, October 15th, 2021. And Dog Stole Things, another 97 debut, which they busted out in Ireland in June, June 13th. They've only played 10. And there's, there's only been two Dog Stole Things in 3.0, I guess called 3.0 to 4.0. We were actually at the last one, which was at Merriweather on July 31st uh, last summer. And I love that tune. Yeah. It's such a good one. I love that tune.
2: That's such a good one. Oh, it's so great. Yeah, they that is, that's an excellent one. And I love kind of walking some of this back because I think – perception is reality for a lot of these songs, unless you really do sit down, which I know we all love to do and really take a look at it. But um, yeah, I mean, the energy of, of new songs that they've had some time with, maybe that's a great little sweet spot. But I really enjoyed in this set one that that they did give us those kind of moments there, maybe a little bit lighter. It seemed to flow very nicely, and sometimes I honestly don't feel that way if I feel like there's a radical tempo shift or whatnot. But that that didn't happen here. I think that they were doing what they needed to do to keep keep the same kind of flavor that we started with going, yeah. even with some very yeah. different sounding songs like "Beauty of My Dreams." But yeah, I appreciated on you know on re-listens having. Kind of a little breather between like the heavier, longer jams.
0: Yeah, then they drop that punch you in the eye, and I mean the buildup for that punch is almost four minutes.
2: Oh my god! Yes. Same guy
1: screams by the way, like right when the punch kind of gets off. He
2: is just having, he's just having—he's having the time of his life, you know. I he's, get it. He was living, but yeah, he
0: was living his life. Now you don't get a—you don't get an intro to a punch that's you know clocking in at you know, three and a half, four minutes.
2: I do miss some of that. And that's, that's been, I think something I've definitely vocalized a little bit in the last year or two, just thinking about it. But yeah, from like the very first second, Mike just lays it down and he keeps it going. And I have somewhere in some of the stuff that I prepared for today, actually some, some thoughts on that repetition, which I think is a big, big theme of this era. And one of the reasons why I probably love it so much. But he just he gets into that pocket and he's like this is good i'm gonna stick with this
0: well and i think the 97 sound it, it, it's interesting because it's it's almost like it's opposite right they were younger but they were more patient and now they're older and they're like let's get through the intro quick and start playing the song
2: do you think it's patience because this actually just came up in in an interview we did uh for the podcast patience or and i hate to use this word for fish but formulaic is it more do you think there's more of a lean and this is like this is like a horrible thing to even ask i guess but is there maybe more these days to some degree a little more of the let's do the thing i mean you get your standouts hundred percent um but i'm just wondering if if that's maybe
0: more like a going through the motions is that what you is that what you mean
2: Yeah, you know you kind of you know where you're gonna even if you expand on something you generally know what you're gonna do and where you're gonna take it maybe within that that structure who knows but something like this which was really different it didn't seem like anyone was questioning it right from from what they were doing and i loved i loved i was trying to think of a way to describe this and i was like failing but page comes in then it's like a waterfall i I like doing this thing with my hands. I'm a hand talker, but
1: <laughs> she's playing the air pianos, everybody. <laughs> I believe that's American Sign Language.
2: I am. I am. I'm just, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. I'm. I'm sorry, everyone's missing. When it. she was talking
0: about DJ, and she was like mimicking scratching the records.
2: Of course, you got to Got to like visualize. <laughs> but you know, it was like not the longest punch, but it was just so solid, so smooth. I just, I love this one.
0: There's a different feeling when they have that longer buildup, and whether it's a punch or a piper, or I mean, name a song, if Moma Dance, if there's that a yeah. couple of extra bars or an extra thirty seconds or a minute, or they, you know, they get into it. I think it just ratchets up the energy in the room, and then when they finally drop it, man, it's just every second that it goes longer than maybe what people are expecting i think just adds tenfold to the level of release when they finally you know drop the bomb if that makes sense
2: oh yeah you know what's coming right and it's going to happen at some point yeah i totally agree and very few songs i think could really go that direction the way that that this one could so it was just really fun to kind of hear that one
1: I thought you were asking an essential question, Doctor.
2: There's so many, I lose track.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which was, (laughs) well, I would like to go back to your previous point. Please do. What I was going to ask you, I guess, was uh, you're thinking that maybe it's less inspiration and more stay-on-task behavior from Fish lately, because I think really, if anything, from quote-unquote the olds, the 1.0 is compared to now, or some of the combat that you see on social media, Twitter, whatever, about what do you know, or I know this, and they don't do that anymore. It's it's kind of actually a tired argument because I'm pretty happy with the fact that you know, they just dropped tour dates. And like, what's negative about the scene? So
2: not a thing. Right? Yeah.
1: And I mean, there are negatives to every situation, but I think what you're talking about is like. Less, less improv, improvisational. Oh, you're having um, trouble with that word too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a tough one. I haven't tried to say it yet. If you notice, I'm I'm staying away. I'm gonna figure out another word.
1: All right, less less improvisational, less imaginary, and more formulaic creatively formulating mm. is that, sound I, like what that. I mean yeah i wasn't trying to explain it i was just trying to understand what you were trying to bring because i think at the very base level people that don't know 97 or they feel almost like anxiety mm-hmm. from not knowing what they did before and now here they are in quote unquote 4.0 or whatever and they, it's almost like you have to be intimidated. Like you can't just like the stuff. I mean. Oh,
2: I know that's silly.
1: It, it's silly. Cause it's just from a construction standpoint, I have to say as a long time listener, I didn't like this first set at first. I said that to mm-hmm. Josh and then I listened back to it today and I was like, oh, well, mm, the punch. Yeah. All right. Well, lawn boy is what it is. I'm sure if I was at the show, I would have a really good time. I'd have a laugh. I love that. But then the chalk dust starts to just rip to and it's some of the tray that i never heard live so i'm very interested in mm-hmm. what he's doing with that chalk dust again the pace is really much different than i know now or even when i began seeing them in 2000 i love it nonetheless i think i just had to give it like a closer listen than i was doing and maybe give it a little bit credit instead of just looking at set lists or whatever these little kind of compartmentalized boxes we put shit in and it's just entertainment mm-hmm. you know what
2: I mean it, it is and and so I guess I, I appreciate all of that and I think so going back to like when I was used to teach my favorite thing which I always said is creativity within structure is where I like to live right because I actually think it sometimes affords you the most opportunity to do some really amazing things and so none of that is a negative negative. and you could also say well when things you know and I'm not talking like 93, 94, right? Like that's that's its own thing. I'm talking like this 97, 98, even 99 era where you would sometimes have these situations where they would try something different. I mean, that can go any which way, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean everything's gonna be better if you're really flying just free, right? Without kind of thinking about stuff. I think it's just where they were then versus now and it's all great because it all lends itself to awesome surprises, no matter what. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. Beautifully put. I think about this stuff way too much. (laughs) That's why I'm here.
1: Do you think about the Caspian to end the set?
2: (laughs) Oh my God, let me tell you. That's how you end a set. Sorry, 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 okay.
0: (laughs) Before we get to the Caspian, you know, we're talking about the vintage of this set, right? You've got Emotional Rescue with debut, split open and melt debuted in what, like 93, maybe even before that, I think. Beauty of My Dreams, 97 debut. Dog Stole Things, 97 debut. Lawn Boy debuted in 89. Chalk Dust, song I've seen the most. Love Chalk Dust. But guess what? If you go see fish, you're gonna see a Chalk Dust. There is not a gap (laughs) for Chalk Dust. I had to do some homework on this. So Chalk Dust has been... This was a a very good version. Super ragey, almost like frenetic at times. It felt like they were trying to play this so fast. It's a a great version. And they could have closed the set with this, but for the fact that they had 10 extra minutes. Chalk Dust has played basically one every three shows. There have been three eight-show gaps. Two of them were in 2022. There has been one nine-show gap, and that was in 2017, and that was because they played it kind of towards the front, well, I guess in the middle of the Baker's Dozen, and then didn't play it again until Dick's. And so that was nine shows. Chalk Dust is, I mean, as staple as Fish gets, and the ability of them to still play that song with gusto now, like they do, I had to take a look at this because listening to this version and skinny and i've seen some amazing chalk dusts over time and the band has played them in every era chalk dust has been a safe haven i think for the band for either a quick get everybody up and going or we're going to take it a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. prince caspian to close the set here i mean
2: so this actually was my kind of take on the caspian and i know we're not there yet but even the ghost it's just a sign of where maybe the band was at then or what we think of that time period that a lot of these don't necessarily get put into like a great jam category i think this Caspian, to a large degree i hate the word standard right but like it, it it was following the you know the the script
0: formula yeah
2: yeah oh there we go yep this i i introduced that i will honor that one um <laughs> but I mean obviously we know that the delay loop at the end oh my gosh i i probably like rewound that and listen to it over and over again because there's just something about some of these little tweaks and things that they do that being one of them that it's like well it doesn't seem like that big of a deal but god it just it just leaves you right, right. in a cool been a really interesting place
0: they did a similar loop at the at the end of the punch there was like a slowdown and they had that Mm -hmm. loop. I love the, I love the Jabu loop. I love anytime anybody's running a loop, sign me
1: up. Can I bring you back to that?
2: I'm trying to remember if the lights were on, if the band was still there, you know, I don't remember if they had left or not, but it definitely was like, wait, what's happening?
1: My question for you is like, in that experience, so the, the house lights went up and they were still playing the loop, is that what ha- what happened? The lights
0: on are, but, but there's still music playing.
2: <laughs> At that point in time, there was just this air of like magic, right. like anything could happen, literally, it, you felt. And I think that was so much fun and it could have been my age, it just could have been the general feeling that people were walking in with by that point in the year of just we're gonna get a treat right whatever whatever it is Um, it's kind of like um i'll throw in a sports reference which is completely unlike me you know hockey is is my favorite sport uh it's really the only one that i follow in any way shape or form and you know you see those teams that well into the season still have legs in the third period right like you know that they're coming out strong and they are going to get some shit done
1: (laughs) I thought I was going to get a break.
2: (laughs) And I feel like with fish coming into what a metaphor coming into the end, ending like portion of the last quarter of the year. It's like, you just know, like whatever it is, like we're, we are here for it.
1: That's a t-shirt, you know, let's play hockey at Hampton.
2: (laughs) Oh man. Wow. You all are pulling some deep stuff out. I never would have made that connection. But um, in any case, we would never have thought that that next set necessarily would end up, you know, being what it is, which is honestly one of my favorite sets, I think.
0: Well, let's quickly review the first set. So the band comes out, they open with Emotional Rescue. We're at Hampton Coliseum on November 21st, 1997. They go from Emotional Rescue into Split Open and Melt, Beauty of My Dreams, Dog Stole Things, punch you in the eye, into Lawn Boy, into Chalk Dust Torture, and a set closing, Prince Caspian. So we get some good vintage stuff there. I think that you would be pretty happy to see a set like this. I'm sure there would be plenty of people that would poo-poo the Prince Caspian in 2023 that maybe were not in 1997, but nonetheless,
2: Mm. very
0: strong set. And despite the fact that, Amanda, you mentioned this earlier, you know, the beauty of my dreams might not fit if you're looking at this set on paper right but when you hear it all together man it flows perfectly that's a very well placed tune and really the whole set is constructed well for a eight song set right we're not talking about a ton of music here number of songs wise but they pack a lot in there's a lot of energy and i got to imagine being you know at a young age you're in general admission venue There's got to be a little awe factor, right? And then they bust out this second set. And, I mean, that's like, I don't even know if I could have comprehended that at my, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old self. Skinny, you want to hit the second set?
2: Yeah, let's let's get into this.
1: Man, this is a lot of pressure. (laughs) 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 So, Fish, set two, opens up with a ghost into a monster ACDC bag into A Slave to the Traffic Light, and then ends the set with A Loving Cup. So that's a four-song second set. Now I'm going to start chasing that. They encore with Gaiuti, and then that's it. So, I mean, a total of five songs from set two and the encore. So I think maybe now I'm chasing, like, a two-song second set. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Awesome. I'm with you, man.
0: (laughs) I had to look. Sorry, Skinny, to cut you off, but I had to look because... The second sets of, and bear with me for a minute, but the second sets from this fall run were, I think, pretty unique compared to what we might see, even in the years that followed, like 98, 99, right? So there were, in this tour, there were three shows that had four song second sets. This night, 1114 in Utah and 1119 in Champaign. There were eight shows in this fall tour. We're talking 25 shows, there were eight that had five song second sets. And I won't read all of them, but notables, the next night from Hampton, 1122, five song second set. And the next night after that, 1123, Winston-Salem also, five song second set. So interesting to see the the structure of these sets.
1: Dude, you get a gold medal for the deep dive. (laughs) I'm
0: such a nerd, dude. Like that was
2: fantastic. Fantastic. And I would I would say also, like you mentioned that show in Utah, which I mean I wasn't I wasn't at that show or anything at the E center or something. Don't sleep on that. I mean that was that was one of those classic examples of people bypassing maybe, which I get it. Not a dig on anyone, but anyway, another another great one, just a heater as well
0: yeah i mean throw a dart you know it's interesting (laughs) after we talked our first time amanda i put up a post on twitter from the stub me down account and i went down this like 97 wormhole and people were recommending their favorites and favorite songs and favorite jams and favorite shows and for probably three days i did nothing but listen to every recommendation that people had dropped into that thread you know you know the staples you know the Denvers, the, the McNichol, you know, you know, you know specific shows, but there are still shows because they haven't been released to the general, you know, soundboard, you know, general public. They're not on the Live Fish mm-hmm. app where you, you know, you kind of have to dig a little bit. Yeah. I would play some of these and my wife would be like, what's wrong with this recording? And I'm like, oh, babe, it's an odd. And she's like, oh, all right. And she, you know, then she'd be fine with it once you get into the jam. But like, I have a feeling... <laughs>
1: Your wife is stuck up. Tell her I said
0: that. She is not, and uh, <laughs> you should probably oh, edit that snap. out. Yeah, let's do that. that.
1: Uh, I love Megan. I awesome.
0: She absolutely <laughs> loves hearing those jams, yeah. but I think sometimes, like, we're in 2023, like, is somebody going to listen to, like, a busted up, uh, you know, odd version of a show?
2: That's a good point. Yeah.
0: I mean, this guy,
2: I, I listen to that stuff. I, I got them all down there, but.
0: <laughs> I do too, and I have a a table over here that underneath it is full of books of CDs that she's been trying to throw away since we moved in together but it takes a certain level of patience I think in nowadays when especially considering the quality that we get every single show that they play from 2003 on is soundboard right if you you know if you -hmm. you have the app if you pay for the app right I mean at least it's available so I think that 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 plays a little bit of a role but Ghost was another 97 debut.
2: Yeah, I know, right?
0: And, I mean, that grew legs super quick. I mean, what, they debuted it uh, stateside. They debuted it in uh, Europe, and then they played it stateside, I think, what was that, Virginia Beach? I'm not 100% sure on these stats, but I think it was July 21st or something around there. They just released it, I think, as a live fish. Mm -hmm. And they play a monster version, and that was, like, the stateside debut. And, you know, now Ghost is you know, one of the pinnacle staple fish songs. And this is an almost 15-minute version. But it's not necessarily what you would expect from a second set opener. It's not that ragey type of jam.
2: Well, it's it's not. And and like when you put that into focus with some of the other ghosts that had been played before that or even after like the Worcester ghosts from... that that would have been the new year's run i think was just still like one of my favorites for sure just because it had that breakdown like jam in it but they had done a great job in limestone with it you know i think they that was another one that ended up in the Denver show. Maybe I should have picked the Denver show, but I wasn't. <laughs> <like that. laughs> it's so good. I could pretend.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Denver ghost is, you know, legendary, right? It's
2: raging, yeah. So I think when you kind of put all that into some kind of perspective, yeah, I totally agree with you. And like you said, for a set opener. So it's interesting. You know, I think for me, I try these days, I'm challenging myself to try to get a little more meta, which is really hard for me, because I'm-
0: I'm not sure I know what that
2: means. Like, t- kind of like take a step back and think of the overall, right? Like the, the big picture of okay. what was going on in this set.
0: The 30,000 foot view? I said 20,000 last episode, Skinny didn't like that.
1: <laughs> no, I didn't like that. I wasn't high enough. <laughs> I'm 60,000 with
2: oxygen.
0: <laughs> Go and Mach 10.
2: That's right. I think this was another thing in my listening notes. Kevin would laugh. I did not have a spreadsheet for this, although he likes to. He likes to see my spreadsheets when I have them. I mean, it's definitely not listed as one of the better ghosts. I wouldn't I would disagree with that, like at all. It just doesn't really come up. Again, I think that where we were at that point, if that ghost had maybe come in a different year, like who knows? People may have felt even a certain way about it. I think it's tough to separate one thing from everything else that was going on with them at that time
1: well and now i think ghost has had another resurgence i I mean i just Mm -hmm. go back to the april msg run i thought that ghost was phenomenal and then i see him later i can't even name them when's the last ghost i saw whatever ac somewhere i'm like maybe it was ac and i'm just like man Are they playing this better than the last better version that I saw? Mm -hmm. So when we go back to that like comparison of different eras or whatever, I mean, it's real. I feel like that is it's really difficult to do any of that.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's mind blowing to try to go back and figure out. I'm just not good at comparisons. (laughs) I don't know.
2: I felt like that was another just maybe it's also what I listen for. Like I am a rhythm section love the bass, like that's, my ear is kind of just gonna go in that direction. So I felt like Gory was just getting down with it. And then right around seven minutes, there was this really nice kind of quieter, looping stuff going on. And maybe I just love that. So like for me, maybe I'm picking up stuff that I personally really dig.
0: Well, and it was, it was a delicate kind of drop down and kind of led into a little bit of like a blissful, even keel jam and then you know towards maybe around 8-10 the minutes they start to kind of ramp it back up a little bit this is a prime example of how different Ghost can be right you look at even a year later they had a completely different introduction for Ghost you know it wasn't the couple yeah. of you know drums and then I ah, think
1: you know it was well a little hi hat and the puts
0: yeah it's right it was a little bit more you know kind of crept up from the bottom and had you know a little bit more of a um i don't even know how to describe it a little like bit a more
1: staying power kind of like through the song. yeah methodical yeah. well that's fish
0: up to the beginning of it and i think a lot yeah i mean a lot of it is is the rhythm section but mm-hmm. it just lends and we talked about this with tim from one plus like the ghost bracket, right? And ghost versus Reba and stuff like that. And how diverse if you listen to 10 ghosts and then listen to 10 Rebas, you're gonna hear probably a lot more variety and a lot more differentiation in the ghost than you would in 10 versions of Reba.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, it's, it's just not as highly orchestrated, you know, in that way, which I think gives it that ability to go in different directions. I will say on that theme that for whatever reason, in my mind, I feel like Ghost is one of the songs that I love hearing descriptions about. Like really, like aqua disco. The, the terms that have been put out or put forth about Ghost because I-
0: What did you just say,
1: aqua disco?
2: You can quote me that has been published somewhere or not that I didn't say it, but um, just the, the ways that people have-
1: well, Like the liquidy feel to it? Like, I mean, I get that.
2: Yeah, like if you think about it, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm down for that. But yeah, maybe I'll have to put together like my top five adjectives that I've heard Ghost described as because they're fun. And I think it just goes to show that it it does a lot of things. It's a utility player, but it also has a ton of flexibility, like you're saying.
1: Yeah, I mean, it can be the starting quarterback too, though.
2: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
1: Like it could be. 100%. I, I think really we've wrapped up like a, a lot of conversations about Ghost with like, it's all powerful maybe. You know, it's it's just one of those songs that can go in so many different directions and differentiation. To all your teachers, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs>
2: right on. Yeah, the, mo- the modalities all, all the and all. Modalities yep, yep. that you can witness <laughs>
1: ghost in. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I just think it, it it speaks to that. We've had so many conversations about that song in particular on this podcast that I mm-hmm. maybe we should stop doing shows with ghost on.
2: Or just say, listen, like, wrap it up, be." Yeah, we're not you talking know, it's about has been. <laughs> like...
1: Good luck. We'll talk about chalk dust. Please, though. yeah,
2: check out these <laughs> other episodes.
0: <laughs> We've talked... To... If you want to hear about ghosts, go and listen yes. to the previous episode. <laughs> well, we should talk about this 25-minute AC/DC bag because, I mean... Look, if you're going to have a four-song second set, you got to have some sort of beast in the middle of that, and I think this qualifies. And, you know, they get into the jam at, you know, probably five minutes or so. I feel like around six minutes, it starts to shift into high gear, but they don't quite enter Type 2 territory. It takes them a little bit of time to develop that, but the interplay between Trey and Paige about halfway through this thing was it pulled my ear in almost he, the two of them going back and forth and how they were playing and listening to them essentially have a conversation through this portion of the jam was really cool i mean ACDC bag is i think it's one of those songs where everybody wants it to open The show or the second set, because let's get the show on the road. Everybody wants to sing that
1: line together. It's one of my favorite lyrics to sing together. I love that crowd participation.
0: A hundred percent. But this version, it comes in in the second set, Two Hole, and there's multiple peaks here, but it does kind of follow a little bit of the same type of track that The Ghost and The Emotional Rescue followed. Like, there were some similar themes, I think, and how they played the the gems. There wasn't like this constant build to a super ragey peak. It was a slow and steady build that maybe leveled off. And then they did some things there and maybe brought it down and then brought it back up again. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was, I mean, it's a gorgeous oh, piece yeah. of
2: music. It's beautiful. And they, they're comfortable and maybe they were experimenting with this or really trying to get into it, have some fun with it. But yeah, I think That space around the jam, the ambient, I guess, for lack of a better word, moments to me is so awesome. And just it shows, I think, is that a trust they have to do that, that they can do that? I mean, that's that's got to be initially, I would think, as a band, you're going to start doing things like that a little bit scary because that's not really what people think they're there for. Right. At least until they've heard it a number of times. But I agree. And I had a note. All it says is Paige crushing it around minute nine. (laughs) So that's very specific and really descriptive language there. Um, But I think that's right. You were kind of referencing just right after that, where they get into that. And then I have like playing off each other where I love that that visual of having a, a musical conversation. And when it happens, even if you're just listening, I think it's just recognizable as like such a comfort zone place. Right. And I definitely think this version had all of that, just a lot of different things happening here.
0: Yeah, and I don't necessarily know that like from start to finish, if you could qualify this as a jam that would quote unquote went somewhere, it filled a lot of the different elements that they had. There's exploration, there's builds, there's peaks, there's bliss. It isn't necessarily a start to finish type of story right? I feel like they kind of jump in and out around the jam. I I really had to listen to this one a few times because you can really kind of sink into it. And I I kind of would just lose myself wherever in the jam. And there wasn't a, oh, wow, they're doing this here. It's like, you know, kind of hits you a little bit more subtly. And Mm -hmm. again, and and Skinny, this might actually go to kind of how you viewed this show overall, is that when you initially listen to it, you're like, eh. You get into it a little bit more and you listen to, you know, things. And maybe maybe it's just they're playing in the background for a minute and then they catch your attention. But totally. for me, it was the theme of the show, the feeling of the show overall was definitely matched in this bag, the ghost, the emotional rescue, you know, the big jams, and even the, the slave that follows, yeah.
1: All I was going to say to Josh's point was that I I felt like there was more of a stripped-down sound when Paige and Trey went back and forth that Paige's keys sound like, I don't know, piano-y <laughs> more so than- Yeah, you know, I, I agree. More so than like using the honer and all this other shit that you know, other people talk about that have more depth of knowledge than, than uh, J-Dub and I have. But that's what I like, I guess, when I listen to it the second time in full. Um, In the morning, so I'm kind of awake it awakens me and I'm paying attention a lot more So I don't know if it was just a certain space. I mean, you know how it is when you listen back Sometimes the space that you're in you just don't Maybe you don't get it. I think that's where I found myself with the first set But not this one and I I do agree that it has kind of maybe a little bit of uh, Inconsistency Mm -hmm. to it. It's not necessarily like the best flow but I mean who wouldn't understand that beside us yeah yeah, yeah there's something, there's something there. about that. I,
2: so yeah. i um i was trying to figure it out and i think you i think what you were just saying definitely connects to i have like these little moments the repetition in different places throughout the show not just here but especially here for some reason i was really feeling it so i just started searching around because i'm like what is it about repetition whether it's even just the bass line or something that Trey's, you know, noodling on, and, and it and you just let it go, right? You kind of have that patience to keep things going. And I found, I'll have to share this with you, I found this really awesome video from this guy, David Bruce. He's a composer, like classical music composer. Um, and he did this video a couple years ago, and he called it like repetition legitimizes. And then he started talking about funk music, funk beautifies. And I thought, okay, let me read this. What he was saying is that you could have the most dissonant, I'll use ambient again, right, kind of spaced out, non-linear type of music happening. But the fact that a lot of these jams, I think, are connected in the sense that there is some underlying repetition in them somewhere, maybe not the whole thing. It takes something that, this is his words, not mine, that's previously inexplicable and makes it seem more meaningful and less threatening so a crunchy chord might be weird and scary when you hear it one time, but when you hear it over and over again, it becomes like familiar and acceptable. And then you start craving it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is my thesis. Like, does this help explain?
1: Holy shit, you got to forward us that. Then I'm going to seem like I'm the smartest guy in the fucking room. when I'm like, So Whoa. you'll love it. I
0: need to read that article.
2: <laughs> he was talking about classical music and how amazing that like we can bring it to this, you know, but... But I do think there's something to that is kind of, I know that's kind of like a long-winded way of saying it. Now I, I really think about that and I pay attention to when do I really feel most like connected with something. Everyone's going to have a different take on it. But for me, I think that's what this show does that I like. I really enjoy.
1: Oh, that's great. And you have a story about the slave too. Like, Yeah. So I was that's trying good. to yeah. imagine what that was like, by the way. Instead of doing mm-hmm. research, I just um, go back to my preschool days. And so, <laughs> as I was listening, uh, I was just trying to put myself in Hampton Coliseum and like uh, what that slave would have felt like for me. So I just want to hear your story. Um, I mean, I know what it, nobody wants to hear what I have to say anyway. So I do. I do,
0: skinny. <laughs> See?
2: But I. I uh <laughs> no, <Another time. laughs> I know. Well, uh,
1: we'll talk another time at a show or something. I'll tell you, but <laughs> I really want to hear what your your experience, your journey is with that song because you had mentioned that to us, and that really struck me, mm-hmm. especially when I listened to yeah, it. Yeah,
2: no, I appreciate that. And actually, the slave is probably the reason why I even suggested this show in the first place. To be honest, because of the fact that I know you all really care a lot about the experience around the show, which I love what you bring to it, right? As a person coming in at that moment in time. And all I can say, cause I can still kind of picture this if I close my eyes. So we ended up stage left, pretty much dead center, right? So like just looking directly out at the floor and looking across at, you know, at, at the seats over there, a level up or something like we weren't way up top. We we're kind of in the middle. I can't say that word loge. I never like to say that. But anyways, we were...
1: I thought it was lodge.
2: It is a weird word. <laughs> it's a weird I don't word. know. I don't, I don't even know. Anyway, that, that area. Something happened at that moment in time. Noticing, by the way, you know, we can all recognize that this slave is not not the best ever. Maybe, like, technically speaking or whatever. But for me in that moment, a couple of things happened. And I didn't drink back then. By the way, I was, like, a completely sober high schooler, which I know is, like, crazy to think about. But... So maybe that's why I remember this so well.
1: Congratulations.
2: Yeah, that changed, (laughs) that That didn't last. But at the time, that's how it was uh, for a variety of reasons. I'm looking out and I think because of where I was standing, honestly, and I could see the lights over the crowd. And I will always, always say that the jam enslaved, just the simplicity of it, four chords. I mean, it's just, it is so beautiful to me in so many ways. And um, I'm watching the crowd and I'm hearing the music and the lights. And I'm like, I can't even believe I'm here. This is so amazing. Right? Like just a lot of things were kind of coming over me. Like I'm even like, um, and I just had this sense of like, this is, this is the most amazing thing. And I am so, so happy to be here witnessing this. And it just became like an emotional, thing for me to the point that every stinking time I've heard the song since then, I am transported right back to it. Oh, that's great. And I literally just feel like I'm 17 years old, standing there and I'm just so happy with, with where I am. And I didn't want to be anywhere else. And I'm never in the moment, you all know, like I'm a warrior. I think ahead. I'm looking behind. Like I'm the person who needs meditation and I don't do it. And, um, so, like for me, to, maybe that's what it was too. Even then, I'm the same person now in so many ways. I really was just there, and that hardly ever happens to me. So,
0: that's awesome. And you, you know, "Slave to the Traffic Light," I feel like is a song that most Fish fans have some sort of similar experience. Mm-hmm, right? totally. So, and and I'll share mine just because. I kind of feel the same way so I I can't remember I think it was the summer tour of 2016 maybe 2015 and then 2016 and felt like the shows that I was at they were dancing around playing slave and so I had been I think it was 2016 and so we'd been at a few shows and then they were playing Camden that summer and I was like oh you know what maybe they're going to throw in homage to the Twist Slave from July 4th, 2000. Skinny and I were at that show. And it's an amazing Twist Slave. I mean, they released it on the Live Fish Sampler or something oh, yeah. like that, one of the live baits. And so I kept hearing the shows up to that. I was like, oh, they're gonna play this slave. And when they finally played it, I was, first notes, it just struck, like, I think, honestly, it's probably the only song I've like, my emotion is overflowed to the point where I like, maybe I dropped a couple of tears when they started playing it. My wife looked at me and she's like, are you crying? And I was like, yeah, <laughs>
1: there's <still> no crying. <laughs> there was
0: just something about the fact that I had heard it. I yeah. thought I had heard it and then they hadn't played it. And then they finally played it and I caught up to it. And you know, and that's the thing about chasing, right? Eventually you're, you know, hopefully you catch up. And it took me back to when we were there, and the transition out of the twist into the slave, and it's a beautiful slave. And slave is—it's a standard tune, right? It's a beautiful piece, right? But it's gonna be largely the same. Let's—it's it's like it's tight, but it's like a or you know. Yeah, but
1: it's tight, you know. Oh yeah. T i t e tight. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Explore that. (laughs) But I mean,
0: it's going to have, it's going (laughs) to, okay, we're off the rails. It's going to have that, you know, similar type Mm -hmm. of construction, but the moment, the placement, and then, you know, some of these other factors, I think, you know, there's something about, and and we've talked about this, Skinny and I have talked about this before, there's a, like a physical reaction that happens to us, I think, when some of this music hits. And this was a time for me when... They finally played it. I had felt like I had been waiting forever and it was a reward. It was a destination. It was a journey to get there. And, you know, the dog finally catches the car. You know, you, you're, you, you don't even know really how to experience it, except just try and revel in it. And I feel like Slave is a good song for that overall.
2: I'm wondering, as I'm listening to you talking, I'm wondering for a band that is so hilarious and zany and you know, they're they're always thinking in irreverent ways, which is what I think why so many we love them, right? I wonder if you could make an argument that the Slave Jam is one of the most authentically emotionally driven pieces of music that they have, like pure, that's not, it, It's not, and I'm just going to say, it's not my like kumbaya, you know, which I talk about on Book Plus a lot of, you know, it's not lyrics driven peace and love. It's just music. But in that like just music there, there is a lot of, I think, soul and emotion that people can take in any direction, whatever they're going through, wherever they are. And I I feel like I'm just, I'm like doing like a search in my head right now of, are there any other passages? And I know that there are a few I can think of. But maybe that one is a little bit unique for a couple reasons.
1: See the city, see the zoo. Whenever I hear that you know, come off, like when I'm at a show, usually you're traveling. You know, and so you have kind of seen the city and you've also seen the zoo, whether or not you've visited the actual zoo in the city that you're in.
0: Or we are the zoo. <laughs> yeah.
1: Or you're in the actual zoo an hour before the show.
2: Well you're in a zoo. <laughs> yeah we're
1: the zoo <laughs> you are part of the zoo right or the traffic situation or the like parking or there's walks everywhere so like yeah I mean that's how I always connect to it I'm, I'm like this part of the experience of seeing the slave for me is like that, yeah I'm living this experience that they're soulfully trying to like give back to me it's like on reverb um, I love that about them when I catch mm-hmm. that I've certainly been prone to leaving many encores, but I'm always hopeful that I'll see a slave in the end of the set before I leave.
2: I hear ya. <laughs> We've all been there, man.
0: They close the show, they bring back the Rolling Stones, so they bookend the show with Rolling Stones, loving cop.
2: Yeah, I was like, how do I Google that to figure out if they've ever done that before? But actually, it'd be probably pretty easy because Emotional Rescue has only been a couple times. But yeah, how cool is that, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's really cool.
0: Yeah, that's totally cool. And I have to give a shout out to our first guest. Well, our first guest was our buddy, Billy. And Billy, Billy has seen Loving Cup more times than he cares to count. And he just celebrated his 100th show at Merriweather this past summer. And Skinny, didn't they encore with Loving Cup at at his 100th Yeah, I
1: think so. I lost my wallet, so I had, like, the worst show ever. Yeah, Skinny had a rough time, but the
0: rest of us had a great time. It was raining, but it was was our buddy's 100th. And, you know, it's the running joke that, you know, when he looks at his stats, he had seen Loving Cup was, like, most frequently seen. And then, like, it was... 90% 90% of them were either an encore or a set closer. And, you know, here we are at his 100th show and they 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 dropped it as, I can't remember what it was, either the set closer or the encore. But <laughs> I think it puts a little bit of symmetry to the show as well. Um, and certainly a much different Rolling Stones song, mm-hmm. right, than Ocean of Rescue is. But nonetheless, you know, Loving Cup, I think that's a Rolling Stones staple. Oh, totally.
2: Yeah, I will always give credit yeah. to
0: who originated the song, but I feel like Loving Cup is a, a little bit more of a fish song now than it is a Rolling Stones song.
2: I mean, they they just own it in the best possible way. And yeah, I think because it has been around, you know, for so long and they do play it, um, you know, Fairmount. fair amount. I do think that sometimes I have to remind myself like, wait, this this actually isn't theirs. And that's the sign of, of a great cover. Yeah no doubt where your immediate thought isn't oh crap they're playing a role you know they're playing the stone song no this is loving cup and it's page and it's awesome and yes you know
1: (laughs) well i like love to push and pull all night like that reminds me of like what they do to us so like when that release comes at the end of the set and you're just i'm raising my arms like i'm at the show right now so like when you <laughs> I tell you, when you feel that, when they're singing that, like I mean, everybody knows that cover, or pretty much everybody. And if you don't, go listen to it. But it reminds me a lot of when the Grateful Dead did, like Quinn the Eskimo, um, something like that. Just where you know the white lights come on and, and fifty thousand hands go up, and well, not fifty thousand, but whatever, whatever it is. It feels like 50,000 when it happens. Like, after the emotion of a slave and then into the energy of a loving cup, I mean, that's why we chase it. It's moments like that, those experiences too, which is really happy to hear your slave experience because I'm sure then right after that with the loving cup, it's the yeah. same, a little bit different emotion, like more happiness and joy, I'm sure, and just, like, release. I love when they, when bands, fish, anybody that I've ever seen, like, really makes you... Uh, release yeah. all that energy after having that push and pull and that tension all night of like they're doing different things especially up in the bag and the ghost and whatever show you're at it, it, it's just mm-hmm. an amazing time to be alive when you're seeing this stuff and also to talk to people about like different yeah
2: things.
1: now i'm gonna probably do the same thing that josh did
2: i think over time i could be mistaken but i feel like in general with Loving Cup, even though they probably could do a lot with it, that one has also been relatively consistent in its delivery, which is not a knock on it at all, because I think, to your point, when you do hear it, you're kind of like, oh, I know I'm going to get it. it's going to be awesome, right? Like, I'm, I'm here, I'm in. I have to go back and listen. I think it was the Bridge Street benefit show, like, the year later from the one we're talking about where they did there was an acoustic version of it, which is like so different. But otherwise, I mean, I think it's definitely one of your like dependable vehicles, right? Like, and it's, I agree, it's its always great. I definitely enjoy it every time I hear it.
0: So I had to, I had to just pull up a couple of quick stats about loving
2: car. Yeah, give it to me, I love it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry
0: so loving cup debuted in february of 93 in Portland. they've played it 144 times it's you know first set opener encore first set opener second set opener second set closer encore encore right so it's it fills a specific spot of official and i think that probably more than any other cover that the band has done loving cup has a very specific place in a fish show Mm -hmm. and it's gonna be a set closer or an encore it's not gonna be you know some sort of mid set first set second set it's gonna it's gonna close something out because of the nature of the song think it works very well here and I think again it goes back to this whole show the setless construction especially the second set it fits perfectly yeah. in here they encore with Gaiuti which I think is funny because Skinny was talking about the Gaiuti from the MSG run with the Wok Plus guys Oh. Ah.
1: well they were talking yeah they were talking about it from 1229 and uh, it, yeah because it was an encore that night and it, they it was butchered, but I mean... And it was... Eh.
0: They had some trouble getting through with that.
2: I think I did book plus that night. Yeah, so I was like, why are they playing this now? Like, I'm so exhausted just thinking about a song like that. Just literally, like, physics and, like, the human body to to try to get through something like that.
0: After the show that they had played, which was a very, very good show, and then, you know, they should have played Loving Cup. <laughs>
2: Well, right, right. And I was just like, damn, I was like, for real? Like, wow, that's ballsy.
0: This version here, very good, over ten, real tight. I mean, the early Gaiutis, I mean, technically sound ragey.
1: Give me that all day. Yeah. I used to not like this song very much. I just didn't like the construction of it. I didn't like the way it sounded to me. It was a little bit dissonant.
2: It's a very yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, the it's it is not like a a friendly on the ears song all the time right (laughs) because
1: yeah you got to find one that like you you know it's almost like you got to get through it's like eating peas or something when you're like a kid you know and uh, then you grow to love them yeah right and I do love peas so
0: let's see post pandemic it's only been played three times and to varying levels it was at Mm -hmm. Charleston, what twelve seven? So that was what night three. So they probably butchered it then, right? Everybody hates that show.
1: No, uh, was that the last night of that run? I was there.
0: I'm not sure if that if twelve seven was the last night or uh, or not. Um, but that was, you know, you, you look back and it has been, it has been sparse compared mm-hmm. to when to one o to three o. Gaiuti has been sparse and you wonder like do they play it less because of the intricacy and because they just don't have the confidence that they can pull it off or it doesn't fit or you know maybe they they you know they throw one out there like they did at MSG and they're like man we really missed on that and they're like all right let's 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 put it back on the shelf right well it gives us something to talk about
2: I mean it is so technical um I do kind of all right I this is I don't think this is embarrassing. I think this is something you both would understand, but I do kind of have a random story about this song, right. which you all might appreciate. And actually, this is the same era of my life. So, the first complete version of this song was played at Lehigh University in like 94-ish, yeah, 94 ish. Yeah,
0: Stabler. Stabler Arena, yeah, right?
2: Stabler yeah. Arena. Yeah. Stabler, yeah. That's where I went to college um, as an undergrad.
1: Oh, you went to Lehigh. Oh no! Shit.
2: I did. I did. Yes, I was in such like uber obsessive fish fan mode by the time that I was finishing up high school. I'd been accepted to Lehigh. I knew I was gonna go there. It's the only school I applied to, just the way it worked out. And I oh my god, I remember this? We're sitting in like science class or something, homeroom, whatever. And the teacher is like, "All right, everybody's starting to know where they're going to school. When you do know, like." She had us put something up on the wall like a bulletin board where we had been accepted, which now as a former teacher and parent, I'm like, damn, that must have sucked, honestly, for like a lot of people, right? Like that's that's not really a cool thing to do to a lot of kids. So I popped a piece of paper up there, and of course I could have talked about the engineering school, yada, yada. I put first guy in A, and I put the date.
0: <laughs>
2: not only that's that, great. and I was like so proud. I'm like, hell yeah. This chick who, I'm not gonna say we were like competing or anything, but I didn't, I didn't necessarily think she was going to shows for the music, let's just put it that way, but that's just my opinion. I don't see her around anywhere in the scene. I don't know if she's still into it, whatever. She says, not quite under her breath, Amanda is so obsessed. Like literally she was like, oh my God, you know, I can't believe you did that. And I literally turned around and I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Right,
1: well, sorry you're not as cool as I am.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But literally she was just like, oh my God, I can't believe she put that. And literally it was like a total nerd thing to do. But every time I think of that song, I think about that exact moment as a senior or whatever it was, right? And I'm like, yeah yeah it's amazing it's a great story anyway it's like just these points in your life right i mean college acceptance that's huge and then like nothing can go untouched by this band
1: (laughs) everything is (laughs) sullied
2: it is there's like there's so i will make a connection if there's one to be made i will find it
1: (laughs) right please put a fish handkerchief in my coffin (laughs)
2: I mean, there's going to be all kinds of like, it's just, it's nuts. And that's a perfect example. I think of not that long after, you know, the Hampton show where I, where I was in my mindset of various yeah, things.
1: No doubt. Well, let me read over the second set once again from the Hampton Coliseum on 11, 21, 1997. They open up the set with a ghost. They go into an ACDC bag into a slave to the traffic light and then end the set with a loving cup and then they end the entire show with the encore aka ut j-dub what do you got
0: man this was cool i've listened to this show i have the cd version of this box set amanda the hampton winston-salem i love all things hampton Thank you so much for joining us and talking about this show. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed digging into this, getting some stats, and you think about how you know what you know about different eras of fish, and like there's always something more to learn. And I spent like the last three weeks listening to nothing but '97, and um, and I thought I already knew a lot of '97, but like I listened to shows that I had never heard before. We'll amazing out. jams
1: <laughs>
0: and it's like top to bottom shows and you know it was triggered this is the first time we've done a 97 show on Stubby down so very cool to have the opportunity to do that but just a lot of fun to talk to you love all that jam if you haven't checked out all that jam go and check out all that jam check out homegrown radio uh bar line shift great opportunity for learning about international music. A whole lot of bands you probably have never heard of, like that, I definitely felt that. Every time I talk to somebody else in the community, I'm like, man, I don't really know a whole lot, <laughs> you know? There's, there's just too much and that's what makes having people like you on, it's just so cool and so much fun to talk about the music and learn new things and keep expanding the horizon and we all consume this stuff in a different way and to hear how people come to the table and what they bring to it and your experience as a DJ and the music that you know because of that and how you bring this stuff in, it's just so cool and... We're just so grateful thank you so much for for joining us we're so happy to have a new friend and hopefully we'll be out at dicks in september we'll we'll, we'll rage it
2: i hope so i hope so and honestly the pleasure's all mine if you couldn't tell i love to talk about this kind of stuff (laughs) just a little bit just like a teeny bit you know the opportunity to do this and really dig in i think is it's the best so you know thanks thanks to you for hosting this kind of forum where we can do that and also, you know, really get into just the community and like the world surrounding all these experiences too. It's pretty awesome.
1: Oh uh, Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Josh is kind of like that girl in high school.
2: Huh? <laughs> her name's Corey, just so you know. Yeah, I remember her name still.
1: <laughs> Corey's nickname was JW. He's a little obsessed with his stats. <laughs> Uh, Amanda, thank you so much, you know, just to get to meet all of us. I think I was going to think about this original idea, but I lost it somewhere in the sauce in the beginning and and tripped up on it. But maybe, like, soon all of us can get together like podcasters and do our own thing and um, maybe maybe all get together. We'll have to reach out to each other about something stupid like that because it'll probably be stupid, but I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. But it'd be super fun.
2: We, we all genuinely get along and have fun. And I think we all respect each other and what we bring to this. And that's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, no
0: doubt. Thanks again. I mean, we're all here for for the, the same reason, right? Amanda, quickly um, give uh, where people can find All That Jam and Barline Shift.
2: Cool. Yeah, thank you. Um, so All That Jam is available wherever you get your podcasty things. So your Spotify's Apple podcasts um, and the website for that is all that jam pod.com. I think we were able to get that handle on every social media site too, which
0: got to try and scoop that shit up. Right. <laughs>
1: we got to do it like right away.
2: Crazy to think about. I know. I was like, we got it. We got it. Crazy. And then bar line shift through homegrown radio I would say the easiest place to find it is probably um, my website for that, which is the phdj.co. That's internet-based through TuneIn Radio. And that one is just, (laughs) that is a magical mystery tour. They let me do whatever I want every week. And it's pretty awesome.
1: (laughs) I need a job like that. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome.
2: I
0: will also mention, because we've talked about this on previous episodes, Skinny and I more me, but Skinny also. He's he's a junior hat guy, but I'm a senior hat guy. We we love hats. Amanda, you can't see it, but she's wearing a very cool hat that says Taboos from the Trey and Goose Tour. Um, and you also have the Maduvan hoodie that's the uh, Mandalorian. Tell us where you got that stuff because I, I want to know.
2: <laughs> Definitely happy to share links too. Yeah, so Goose Band Memes did this Taboos hat super talented and I will say I'm I'm a big hat wearer even my bitmoji I don't know if that's dating me to say I still have a bitmoji but is wearing a little baseball cap so like that's just my thing instant great fit so just that's always nice when you get a new cap and you're like oh this feels like I've had it forever um and then the sweatshirt is um jive goose on twitter big big uh, in the scene he drops these every so often I don't know if they're always available but um I mean this. I've been wearing this so much; it's got like bleach stains on it. It's like it's it's well loved. But I'm a big hoodie person too, so I'm wearing my uniform for you all today. <laughs> right on. Definitely. Well,
0: we love good gear. I mean, look, it's part of our nature, right? Everybody's got to wear lot gear. We are so appreciative, Amanda. Thank you so much for joining us today on Step Me Down, talking about fish from Hampton, November twenty first, nineteen ninety seven. If yeah, this show was out there, just soundboard quality. Do yourself a favor. Go and listen at least to Night One and listen to an odd version. And I, you know, I don't encourage people to do that very often, but I think every once in a while, you know, especially if you're a little bit younger and no offense to you, if you're a little bit younger, that's totally cool. I'm glad you're a part of the scene. But some of us. Learned this band listening to, you know, the band essentially threw like a cup against the wall in some of the recordings that we had. And, uh, you know, respect your elders and and understand maybe what they had to to deal with before y'all got these luscious soundboards of every single show that's ever been released.
2: No Googling anything there, you know, just nice, quiet, dark space, turn that on and then... See, yeah. see what happens. You you no might no. love it. Like, no who no. knows? I love a crispy, like a, you know, that like analog sound is just like one of my favorite things. There's filters for it. You know, people, people enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you
0: sometimes you can really get into it. Well, as Amanda's talking about gear, we want to give a shout out to our friends over at the lot by Primal Soup Skinny. I don't know if you saw the Instagram post, but I just got a new foodie kit. That's P-H-O-O-T-Y kit, and it is Team USA, but with a Grateful Dead tinge. I'll tell you what, that is a money-looking foodie kit. If you are not familiar, they have all sorts of fish songs. They come in what we Americans call soccer kits. It's a jersey. It looks cool. You can customize it. Matt over there is awesome to work with, very communicative. He will take care of you and make sure you get what you want. So the Lot by Primal Soup has a ton of great stuff. You're not always on tour, but you can always shop the Lot.
1: And speaking of Goose stuff, so our friend Scott Mitchell over there at Fan Designs, P-H-A-N-D-E-S-I-G-N-Z, everything is cooler with a Z. He's got tons of stuff, too, hats, shirts, sweatshirts, all kinds of cool stuff from all over the jam band scene. Scott's just tearing it up over there. and He just
0: sent us skinny those pretty badass tweezer hats.
1: Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Right. So uh, we just got his his new edition tweezer hats. He, he hooked us up with those. Um, going to see him at a bunch of shows this summer he's going to be at the peach with his wife Casey and we're really excited to see them and we're seeing goose up at the Met so there's plenty of stuff going on pretty soon I'm really looking forward to the spring as probably everybody in the United States says we need some new beginnings right now a little, little bit of warm weather we it was 69 today oh my god I'm such a middle school teacher <laughs>
0: he's said that <laughs> <odd. laughs>
1: teacher uh <laughs> 68. 68 today in in Maryland, so you know we're excited for spring. You know, check out Scott over there at Fan Designs. Uh, we love him.
0: Right on. And if you did not see Fish just drop their tour dates by the time this is released, I'm sure everybody will be arguing over um, the tickets they didn't get and complaining about the people that got tickets that aren't going to shows. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you on tour. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Stub Me Down. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. We are always happy to have new friends come on. If you want to follow us, you can check us out on the socials. We are on Twitter at stub underscore me underscore down. We're also on Instagram at the same address, stub underscore me underscore down. And even though skinny's never looked at it, we also have a Reddit page. And we are also at stub underscore me underscore down. Amanda talk about trying to, you know, corner all of the social medias on your name. We tried to do that.
2: Well done.
1: Yeah.
0: Well so, done. Congratulations. Hey, again, thank you so much to Amanda thank you so much to you for checking us out here on Stummy Down and we will see you the next time you need to get out of your shitty seats down to the pav
2: thank you
1: bye everybody see you Amanda thank you so much